Hi, I'm Kevin DeCristofano. I'm Sean Flanagan. We are the Ninja Turtle Nerds, your weekly podcast that covers the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics one penultimate issue at a time, which is technically true, even though it's not the penultimate issue for the run, but the original time these comics were published, this was the penultimate issue. Who knows if they knew it, though? Now I Basically, know the if... next issue is where the st- where it stopped printing back when these first came out, and then IDW finished the run. I want to know if there's a word now for pre-penultimate. Pre-penultimate. You just made it. Huh. I'm a genius. <laughs> yes, you, re- you, are. you really got me thinking. I am wondering now. Like, did they did they know that that was it? Or it doesn't. I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves covering the issue, but it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't no. feel like like you could tell the volume two something was going on, and we talked about that. It felt like it was rushed. It felt like they crammed. It felt like they had like. Not that they crammed the story together, that's the wrong way to say it, but Volume 2 definitely felt like they they thought they were going to go further with yeah. where the characters were out in the desert there, Yep. and then they were like, oh, you know what, just end it here, uh, and then we'll put them back in New York and be like a dream thing, and then we'll see the, the psychic guy on the sidewalk and, and the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like that desert adventure was supposed to go on longer. But anyway... Image Comics. Forget about those mirages. <laughs> um, you image know, Comics. We're here mirages, to talk about Image Comics. Mirages what? are images. It's true. They're not Today's IDWs, episode, though. <laughs> image, Volume 3, Issue 22. It was originally untitled, like all the rest. Cover artist, Frank Fosco. Story, Gary Carlson. Pencils, Frank Fosco. Inks, Mark Hickey. Lettering, Pat Brusso. And this one has a cover date of June 1999. So let's go take a look at the world of entertainment, June 1999. This month in entertainment. So this issue was out and competing with... The following movies. Not that comics really compete with movies, but... (laughs) You can (laughs) buy one comic this month or see one movie. (laughs) This is what was in theaters. Uh, Movies released June 99. Big Daddy came out, which I'm pretty sure we saw in theaters together. Yeah. Yeah. Scuba Steve. That's all I remember about that. (laughs) Definitely one one of the more high-end Adam Sandler films. Yeah, he, you could tell exists. he was. Although now that he's doing all the serious yeah. roles, it's like in the it, it, it be in the medium end. Yeah, but you could see where maybe the thought process was beginning about eh, I'd like to win an award. Yes, <laughs> all of them were starting that transit because Jim Carrey around this time was starting to be like, you know what, I want an award. And then Robin Williams was going through that phase. All the funny people in Hollywood in the late nineties. We're doing serious roles. I'm trying to, I don't know if Eddie Murphy had started that trend yet. I feel like he was still strictly doing comedies. He was hating on Saturday Night Live, that's for sure. 
Also came out this month, everybody's favorite Will Smith movie, Wild Wild West. I did see that in the theater, I remember. I've never seen that movie. You've never seen Wild Wild... Oh, you're going to see Wild Wild West. Jim West? Desperado? Yeah. (laughs) It's worth it just to see where the the mechanical spider from Superman lives or whatever the hell Kevin Smith's movie was. I prefer to keep that mechanical spider in my mind... (laughs) And I don't want to ruin what I think it is. <laughs> well, y- you got to see how his chemistry isn't there with Kevin Klein, like Tommy Lee Jones and Jeff Goldblum and uh, Martin Lawrence and uh, Crocodile Man and Suicide Squad. I-, I I can just find pictures of Selma Hayek on the internet. I don't need to watch Wild Wild West. I forgot see. she was in that movie. <laughs> I never forget a Selma Hayek. <laughs> and also that month, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, came out in June of 99, which blew up Michael Myers again. He he had the, the Wayne's World, and then he kind of went away for a little, like three, four years, and then he came roaring back with Austin Powers. And again, that and dominated. Boy, did that movie hit. That dominated MTV as well. Yeah, and I like he was. I, I remember him like hosting things on MTV and presenting awards at the movie awards, and I'm sure it won a ton of the MTV movie awards that year. Austin Powers was like a big thing for a while. In fact, it was the number one movie at the box office that month with 158 million dollars. It would go on to make 206 million, which for the time was a lot of money for a comedy. You yeah. weren't really seeing $200 million comedies at the time. You're not really seeing those now. We don't really see comedies now. <laughs> Everything's either like a horror movie, a superhero movie, or uh, a, an action movie. There's, they, they don't, they, they put the comedy in the superhero and in the action movies, but there's not a lot of like, I guess it might just be because I'm not a college kid anymore, and that's who all of those are like aimed at. But I don't know because you, you might be right. It doesn't seem like it's as prevalent a genre as it used to be. It got really, really big around the time of like Superbad and Hangover and Forty Year Old Virgin. I feel like that was like another renaissance for comedy films, and then like after, like around the time of Hangover Three. <laughs> like it, it started to fade but i could be wrong i could just not be the target audience anymore it's true which which is you know i like to laugh come on target me with a comedy will you spaceballs 2 the search for more money <laughs> i'm surprised they never did a spaceballs special edition oh that would have been funny <laughs> cuz they all the other star wars parodies did like thumb wars Oh yeah, did a special I edition. Hardware Wars. Wars did a special edition. Yep, should have done it. And then on the radio when this comic book was on newsstands, "Living La Vida Loca" by Ricky Martin, still at number one after uh, for the first week, but it gets dethroned. It gets knocked off the rest of the month. It is "If You Had My Love" by Jennifer Lopez for the next three weeks. I remember that one. What was her first hit? 
Was it waiting for tonight? No, I think that was the second hit. Uh, it's not Jenny from the block. I don't know. I can't remember. This was when they started, like, I feel like this is how, this would not go over well today. But you remember because we've got Ricky Martin, and then he's dethroned by Jennifer Lopez, and then also out at the time was Enrique Iglesias and uh, and Christina Aguilera. I remember them saying it was like a Latin, um, what did they call it? Not explosion. But they, they made, I remember MTV making a big thing about the fact that there were the, these artists all kind of happening at the same time. And since then, it's come out that like Christina Aguilera doesn't even identify as that. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to claim I know what her ethnicity is, but I, I don't think she's Latin. <laughs> but because she had a Latin sounding name, she got like lumped in with them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think she is. I think that's something that I've I've heard that she has said since. Like she she kind of like accepted it at the time so that she could get lumped in with the number one selling artist. But now that it's not a thing anymore, she's like, yeah, I don't know why they said that about me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, oh, so now that it's not helping you sell records anymore, you don't know why they said it about you. Eminem knows why, though. And then on the Nintendo Power cover, we've got Pokemon Snap. Everyone loves a good Pokemon. Which would take, God, 20 plus years to get a sequel. And I think it's coming to the the actual original game is coming to that Nintendo 64 Switch channel thing. Oh. I think I read that that's next month's edition is Pokemon Snap. I could be wrong, but I think it is. Did you? Yeah, you had Pokemon Snap, didn't you? I had Pokemon Snap. That was like like the height of my Pokemon mania, which I was huge into the first game. And then I think Pokemon Snap is as far as I went because the next thing that came out, if I remember correctly, the order was like the original games, then Pokemon Snap, then Pokemon Yellow, and I didn't play Yellow. And I didn't play any of the Pokemon Stadium games or anything. I think like I got all 151 of the originals, yes, I got Mew, and I got him with the correct Pokedex data. There's a way to do it. Don't at me. But um, yeah, I, uh, I I I had Pokemon Snap. I actually have a memory of they had a promotion going on where this is how different a world this was. Okay, you would take your Nintendo 64 memory card to Blockbuster Video. And there you could connect it to a Pokemon machine where you could print out your favorite pictures from Pokemon Snap. And you got like a little, it wasn't a trading card. It was like a credit card type material. Like it was a piece of plastic that were like pre-made. You couldn't get your pictures on this, but you could, and there were different Pokemon. And I remember at Blockbuster, telling the kid I wanted the Bulbasaur one and he didn't know what Bulbasaur was and he made me feel like an idiot. <laughs> like he's like, I don't know what any of these ones are. Which one do you want? Like you know what I mean? Like and I was just uh well we were like fifteen. <laughs> but still, why do I feel like I was so much younger when that happened? Man, fifteen is not as old as you think it is. No. Because I feel like I was a little kid when that happened. Oh no. But <laughs> Yeah, I was 15, and I was like, I want my Bulbasaur card. 
And he was like, I don't know what Bulbasaur is. You know what I also had at the time? And these got to be somewhere. And I'll bet they sell on eBay. Let's look this up live. So Burger King did this thing where they had gold Pokemon oh, cards I remember that they those. gave out. And they had like some percentage of actual gold in them. And I got three of those. Like and I bet those are like worth something as a collectible. Rushing to look it up. Yeah, here they are. Oh, it doesn't look like they're actually worth much. The one Pokemon thing that didn't appreciate in value is the is the thing I have. Ugh, I can't get it to show me the auction price. Yeah, they're not worth nothing. <laughs> I see them selling for like five bucks. Yeah, this one's ten. This one's ten dollars. There's Two one. Bids. One for twenty four. That's got three days left, though, so that might go up to, like, 40 50 bucks. The point is, though, some of those Pokemon trading cards are worth, like, thousands of dollars, and I thought maybe I'd see that, because the thing is, since it's not worth money, I bet I find them the next time I go visit my mom at her place where all, of, like, my childhood stuff is, but if it was worth money, I wouldn't find it. It'd be lost forever. Right. <laughs> Well, there you go. You found one Pokemon thing that is worth basically nothing. They come in like a cool like Pokeball too. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. that that's selling that cheap. I'll bet that auction ends at like fifty bucks. There's no way it's gonna be. The, there's gotta be more. I'm gonna do one more search here. Nobody wants to catch them all. I'm gonna just specifically search. No, it says right here. Burger King's gold-plated Pokemon cards are next to worthless. A quick browse on eBay reveals they're going for roughly 5 to 20 US dollars each. Though there are a couple of listings for all six cards in box for $100. Hmm. That's weird. That's so weird that those aren't collectible. Maybe just everybody got them. But, like, everything, uh, uh, it's got everything going for it. Not only is it, like, a weird thing because it's from Burger King, but it's also Gen 1. Like, it's it's the first Pokemon Gen, and that usually, that stuff usually sells for more. Whatever, I'm not retiring on my Pokemon Gold cards, I guess. Let's see what was on television when we were getting embarrassed in Blockbuster Video. The TV events... June 2nd, Star Trek Deep Space Nine ends after seven seasons and 176 episodes. I feel like that show ran longer than that, but I guess not. I haven't made it to that show yet. I started Star Trek. Did I tell you that? Oh, did you? Yeah, because it's all on Paramount Plus, and like, I've heard such good things about the new shows, and I'm crazy enough to start at the beginning, so I'm watching the original series, and I'm liking it. I... So, I'm one of those people that can appreciate because a lot of people who found out I was doing that online were like, don't start with the original series. It's old and you're not going to like it. I'm good at appreciating shows for what they were at the time. Like I've watched all of the Twilight Zone. I used to watch a ton of Nick at Night. Yeah. So like I I can appreciate that. Nick at Night just makes you depressed if you watch it now. But uh, <laughs> the original is it still on? It is, but they have like friends and stuff on. So. But the original Star Trek series I liked, that's the only one I've watched all of. 
And then June 7th, Where Are They Now? premieres on VH1. Is VH1 still a thing? I don't know. I don't know that either. (laughs) June 15th, The Man Show premieres on Comedy Central. It was a different time. A little bit. Time when you could have The Man Show. June 23rd, The Nanny ends after six seasons and 146 episodes. I thought that probably had ended with ages the nanny ago. marrying Mr. Sheffield. I don't know. I can't remember. If I had to guess, that's probably how it ends. Or they get married the last season, and then the show ends with them remembering like all the times they had together. I don't know. <laughs> and there was no Saturday Night Live that month, so that's all the TV and you know pop culture stuff I have for when this comic book came out. And you can find this comic book, <laughs> I'll do it, oh. in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Urban Legends Volume 2. It's about 179 pages in. <laughs> well, now you're just showing off. <laughs> so what do you think of this cover? I think the original cover is awesome. Like, I want Would a poster say it's of it. Jawsome? Yes, uh, I would say it was Jawsome. Ooh, they should make a Street Sharks game now. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. So the original cover, it's a Lady Shredder dangling Raphael off a rooftop. It's it's that simple. There's not really much more you could use to describe this cover. But it's so cool. You could say that the city in the background is all red, like a Virtual Boy game. Other than that, that's the cover. (laughs) and uh the the reprint cover uh, nothing special yeah the reprint cover is Raphael with a rag over his face which he doesn't have in the comic like a black bandana and he's charging at Pimco while the the foot clan CEOs (laughs) from last issue uh, uh, that's what they kind of look like. They're in suits. They're up in the rafters watching this fight like it's Thor Ragnarok or something. Oh, and she's throwing ninja stars that are definitely going to hit Raphael right in the like in his open mouth because he's he's got his mouth open because he's charging and he's dead. This this cover ends with Raphael dead. <laughs> I'm gonna say, have any of the turtles ever taken a ninja star to the mouth? I don't think they have. They've definitely had one in their shell on multiple occasions. I can think of a few instances where they pull one out of a shell. Yeah, yet they're bulletproof in the uh, Michael Bay movies. Don't even get me started. We already did the math. (laughs) (laughs) So on page one, like it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off or something, we start with an alarm clock going and it's all vibrating it's cool art and then we see a metal fist crash the the clock so of course at first you assume this is donatello yeah and then you think to yourself wait a minute wouldn't donatello have an internal clock he's half robot at this point and then you get the reveal that it's leonardo and he's got a cyborg hand now because remember like four episodes four episodes four issues ago he had his hand chopped bitten off by the Komodo dragon guy. 
Because if it's and, image, we're maiming the turtles. Yes. Which is another reason last issue when they do that fake out for Michelangelo's death, where you kind of believe it. Because you're like, man, they're really beating the snot out of all these turtles here. And nothing's happened to Mikey yet. And then, like, they, they make you think that he's dead for, like, two panels. It'd just be funny if, like, it doesn't happen, but if the the devastating thing to Michelangelo is he gets a call from the publisher and they're like, we're sorry, but we're not going to go to print with your book. <laughs> so Leonardo does not like having a cyborg hand. He says, no, no, no. Only one gets an exclamation point. So it's no, no, no. Um, <laughs> you did that perfectly. He, cho- <laughs> he chops his hand off. Like the mechan- you uh, obviously the mechanical one. <laughs> That'd be great. No. Uh, oh, now I. Oh. And he's like, damn you, Donnie. I told you so. And he's all in silhouette, which is kind of cool. And he's standing over that the hand that's on the ground. And then the hand starts growing back. Because remember, da- Danny, Donnie's <laughs> Danny. tech. Yeah. Danny secretly <laughs> shows up in image. <laughs> Danny. I don't know where he gets those things. It's Dan. Uh, He shows up and watches Leonardo's hand grow back. And we remember Donatello's tech. It's like the Venom costume and kind of the Spawn costume at the same. It's it's a magic thing and (laughs) it, it can regenerate. It's a magic machine. So he cuts the second hand off and then the second hand and the first hand regenerate the rest of Leonardo? Yes. So, like, which I've always kind of wondered about Wolverine and his healing abilities. I'm sure there's a comic that explains it, but if if he's regenerated, from what I understand, at points of X-Men from, like, almost like a single cell. Like, he's been blown to nothing and is as regenerated. And it's like, why doesn't it regenerate as like 15 Wolverines with all the pieces that are blown off him and stuff? Take that comic book science. So this regenerates as as two different Leonardo's because he chopped off two hands. And of course, when you see yourself and you're a regenerated version of yourself, you want to kill yourself. So... (laughs) So the the regenerated versions start attacking Leonardo, the real Leonardo, and he's like, "Donnie, Mikey, somebody help!" And of course, this is a nightmare. It's a really, it's really well done. I love that that they went right for horror with it. I like that this entire time Leo has not been okay with having like the technological enhancements. Yeah, and th- there's a, re- it's a really cool full page where Donatello is waking him up from the nightmare. And I got to say, the Image Comics Turtles do have a distinct look. The yes. way they're both, they got big teeth. That's oh, yeah. one thing. <laughs> and it, it, this is a cool panel, and it's very, like, you could tell just from this one panel which run it is from. So Donnie splashes him with cold water because... His magical robot armor can do anything, so it's got a he's got a super soaker for an arm. I was right kind of disappointed when he asked if he wanted a drink that like his hand didn't turn into like a dispenser or something, <laughs> like a coffee machine. The cup drops down, <laughs> it just, just starts pouring. 
You like it with cream and sugar? <laughs> no. <laughs> but then we kind of get a reveal that it was not all a nightmare because Leonardo does have a hand, but Donatello, a, a robot hand. But Donatello assures him it's just like a normal prosthetic. It's not his robot technology. It's just a, a prosthetic hand. It's, it's a good so, old Luke Skywalker model. Yeah. So he doesn't have to worry about this taking over his body like like it did to Donatello. So now we don't have to draw Leonardo with ba- with one hand for the rest of the run. Which, again, you kind of wonder, did they know it was almost over? Because this seems like they were gearing up to tell more turtle stories. Like, oh, we need to fix Leonardo's hand so that he has two hands. It was all building up for them to take away Mikey's toe. Cut back over to Raphael, who you remember last issue, these, I called them the Foot Clan CEOs, the the head of the Japanese Foot Clan, was there basically saying we are impressed, but Pimco, who in this continuity is Shredder's daughter, it's not Karai. Karai is just a normal Foot Clan member, not at all related to Shredder. So Pimco, Shredder's daughter, (laughs) <laughs> is challenging Raphael to basically a, a fight to the death for the armor because she wants the armor. It's her right. It was her father's shredder armor. And the Foot Clan is going to officiate this match. They're up top looking down and they're getting ready to fight. I didn't. I was wrong when I talked about the cover. He does put on like a do-rag. It's not black. Like it is on that cover. It's red. But he does have one covering his whole face here. I was wrong. I like that. I, and again, I don't think it was intentional. But it reminded me of the uh, arena where you see Shredder in the 1990 movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they're down there and like all the Foot Clan is up top in the rafters. Where he says, we are your family. I am your father. So they get ready for the duel. They bow to each other as a sign of respect. Raphael says he wishes he was bending the other direction, which doesn't really play. He doesn't really have a turtle butt to moon her with, but I'll allow it. (laughs) And then they go at each other with anime backgrounds. You got the full Avatar The Last Airbender here. (laughs) Where... Why was that the first anime I thought of? That's not even really anime, but you know what I mean? The background where it's just a bunch of motion lines and they're charging at each other. Pimco's throwing her ninja stars. Raphael blocks the ninja stars. It's it's a bona fide fight we got going. I really enjoy this whole section of this issue because they've done so much with Raph as far as an arc in this run of the comic and I uh, well I guess it's not oddly it's my favorite turtle I agree with Raph as far as like he he's the one that brought the foot back like he's the one that did all the work and she just showed up like no it's my birthright he's like no (laughs) the two things that haven't aged well about this though are obviously we've talked about Pimco's outfit at length 
And then there's also Raph's whole attitude towards her. He he mentions multiple times that something about like it would be a dishonor to lose a fight to a woman. Yeah. And and he starts doing he does a three stooges bit where he pokes her in the eye and says something like women don't like three stooges. And it's it's just why is he so obsessed with the fact that she's a woman? It's so like why are you hyper focused on that fact, dude? She's trying to kill you. Focus on that. And this part was kind of weird where she's got hair claws. That's what he yes. calls them, her hair claw. She has a claw in her, like, like the Willow Smith video. I whip my hair back and forth. I whip, or like, you know what else it's like? <laughs> in Maximum Carnage, the video game, there are yeah. enemies that attack you with their hair like this. I guess that was a thing in the 90s. You could get attacked with hair. Yeah, she's got like basically just like climbing claws in her hair and she swings her hair at Raphael somehow has enough strength with her hair not being one of the inhumans, I might add, (laughs) to like pick up Raphael and like throw him. That's just pure ninja skill. I'm not buying it. No, I, I don't buy it either. So back at the turtle lair, we got another conversation between Leonardo and Donatello. Doesn't really amount to much. He just wants to. This is where he is reassuring him that the hand isn't going to take over his body, which we already kind of covered. And then we go to Michelangelo. Date Mike. Yeah. (laughs) Date Mike from the office. He's got his arm around Sarah here. They're cuddling up to watch tv he mentions that there's going to be a parade for the hero that killed the the alligators in the sewer and she's like oh i love a parade and then they start smooching and we cut so it's weird that they're watching tv like this in the middle of the day because like a date usually is at night but whatever it's weird to me that they have a ticker tape parade in the 90s for someone who <laughs> killed Komodo dragons in the sewer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, this guy found some big raccoons. Do you want to throw a parade for him too? Like, where does it end? Like, you almost want to cut to, you know, the astronauts from the Apollo missions or something just standing there glaring at the television. It's like, that's not what you have a ticker tape parade for. We went to space. Because it's worth saying, are alligators in the sewer even that big a danger? I know at the beginning of the arc they killed some people, but people don't belong in the sewer. So it's not that great a danger to the city. But yeah, downtown Casey and April are waving on the back of a limo like JFK. Uh, That's exactly what it looks like. It doesn't end the same way. But they're they're waving on the on the back of the limo and kind of having an argument while they smile and wave to the crowd about how he was a manager and he lost his job, which I said a few episodes ago. I don't think they'd lay off a manager for one day that he fake called in sick. It, it just seems like something he'd get yelled at for, maybe written up, but I don't think they'd just outright fire him. But like you said... Maybe it's the same store where he assaulted the manager and they're like, this guy's crazy. (laughs) 
ticker tape parade. Anyway, the the parade ends up leading there. They got Shadow in the limo with with them, and she's pointing. She wants to go see the Teletubbies. That kind of dated this. She says, "I want to meet Tinky Winky." And then we cut to the the mob boss guy whose name escapes me. Big Tony. Big Tony, yeah. That's not stereotypical. And you can tell he's got one of those 90s, what would have been considered a big screen TV. Yeah. It, which were just those gigantic boxes. Yep. <laughs> that didn't look good. Uh, and yeah, he's he's watching the parade and he sees Shadow. And he's like, we found her. We found her. And this part is another part where I think it doesn't quite hold up. No. Because I'm like, what do you mean they found her? She's still at the same place you snatched her from. She never moved. And I I do get that it was the Foot Clan that kidnapped her in the first place. And now Raph's in charge of the Foot. So they can't. In fact, they had a whole deal where Raphael's like, you can't have her. So they can't go through the Foot to get her. But. You would think when they got her the first time, there would have been some talk about where was she? Who's had my granddaughter all this time? Like the mob tends to keep tabs on people. I was just. So, they would have wanted to know where this kid came from. I was really disappointed they even bothered to bring this plot thread back in. Yeah. Like I, I my note was actually, oh, good. The mob story's back. <laughs> Because it's one of the least interesting things in the run. And then back over to the Raphael Pimco fight. He has bested her in combat. He's got her hair. He's holding it up in the air. And they're predictably like... Or does she win at first? Because like at first, I can't remember exactly how this goes. Because so they're telling... She- no, no. He, kill- he wins. Yeah. And then he refuses to kill her. So they tell her to kill him. That's what it is. The old kill back and forth. (laughs) That's how you become CEO of the foot. (laughs) (laughs) And then Michelangelo's date is interrupted because Sarah gets picked up by that, that special force that she works for to go out on a mission. I like how it's almost like it's her dad picking her up. Like Splinter comes in and taps Mikey with the cane. He's like, her dad's here. <laughs> and, then, and then you see that Splinter is playing chess with the Utrum from a few issues ago, Dr. X. I don't know how Dr. X is playing chess. He probably just calls out the moves and Splinter has to move him. He says knight to F4 because like chess people know the actual like board numbers and stuff. Yeah, we're not chess people. We are not. I tried to be. Didn't take. Cut back to Raphael fighting the foot. Because he refused to kill Pimco, so now they're basically like, Alright, well, if you won't kill her, we'll kill you. And they're they're all attacking him. Which is kinda hard for Raphael because he was just leading these guys. He yeah. was their leader and he was doing such a good job with it and he's like what the heck? Like Even... the, you guys are supposed to be loyal to me and then the then corporate comes to town and all of a sudden <laughs> you can't help me out anymore. Even Chen betrays him. Yeah, he throws he throws up uh the hair and hooks a balcony like it's tangled. He starts climbing it. The the Disney movie Tangled. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's climbing Rapunzel. He's climbing the hair. And he climbs up, and and his boy there, like you just said, he thinks he's going to help him, and he doesn't. He gets rocked in the nose and looks like a broken turtle nose. It's bleeding a lot. And you don't know who punched him at first. You assume it's Pimco. And he says something about a Lady Shredder. Or do they say this is Lady Shredder? That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. So so at first he thinks it's going to be Pimco. And then it's revealed that who punched him was Lady Shredder. Just and when I heard that reveal. name, I was like, really? We're going with Lady Shredder? And then Wait. it ends on the cliffhanger. It's a full page of Lady Shredder in the sh- in different Shredder armor. It's got to be different. D- didn't right? you have a whole thing about how you like when they use Lady no, I had a thing about how Pimco shouldn't see it as like, why does she think it's such a disrespectful term to like, why was she so offended by lady, uh, someone calling her lady Pimco, but lady shredder is just a lame name. I don't think it's an, because okay. it's insulting. Okay. I think it's just not creative, but. <laughs> But she found it to be, like, insulting. And I'm like, it's not insulting. It's There's literally, like, I keep bringing up Lady Deathstrike. It's a title that people use. But Lady Shredder, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. That's fair. I'm not really... Yeah, I don't really know what you could have called her, though. Well, they're obviously just doing this so that they can make it a cliffhanger and then tell us next issue who it is. Because... That's the only reason to call her Lady Shredder right now. We're going to find out immediately next issue who this is. And it's pretty obvious. I guess Miss Shredder doesn't really work either. (laughs) So that is the cliffhanger ending of this issue. What did you think of it, Sean? So I gave it a 4.3 because I really like all the stuff with Raph and the foot and like I said, they, they've given him a really good arc. I took a little bit of points off for, like we said, the, the mob story coming back. Yeah. There was a few things, and I, I brought them up as I went through. I didn't like the constant, like, oh, I can't lose to a woman. I didn't like the mob story coming back. And I thought the hair thing was kind of lame. But I didn't take too much off for all that. I gave it the same as last issue of 4.3. Okay. So it's 4.5 to me is when I'm like, oh, there's only one thing I don't like about this issue. And then like a five is perfect. Yeah, I don't think we're ever hitting a five in volume three. (laughs) Probably not. But these come close. It's worth reading. And my title was in uh, my title. Oh, go ahead. Foot fail feats. (laughs) Foot don't fail me now. <laughs> uh, so my title, our listeners are probably not familiar, but in 1987, oh boy, the greatest television show of all time starring Suzanne Summers was on the air. It's called She's the Sheriff. <laughs> and do you know what She's the Sheriff was about? No. Okay, so this is a it's often like brought up as like one of the most ridiculous TV shows of all time. It's uh it's the show was about 
there was a sheriff in a small town and he got shot and died because he's the sheriff. And then his, I can't remember if she was his wife or his, I think she was his wife becomes the sheriff because he died because that's how that works. <laughs> and it was set in modern day. I should put that out there. This wasn't a, an old Western type thing. This was a modern day, modern day, 1987 story where she became the sheriff because her husband was the sheriff and he died. It, it, it's like, it's not like royalty. You don't just assume the throne. So anyway, that was called She's the Sheriff. So my title for this issue is She's the Shredder. <laughs> I give you credit for going that far to explain your title. <laughs> I just always like, I love when people make She's the Sheriff jokes. So I wanted to make one. <laughs> oh, man. So we are chugging along through these these issues here. This season's going to be over before you know it, man. There's not a whole lot left. Next issue is the last issue of the original run. And then there's three issues after that, which IDW published years after the fact, where they conclude the story. Which, like, I don't know. Again, like I, I guess it's what's great about that we did Turtles is... There's so many weird things that happen in their history. <laughs> it never stops. Like, even when we get to the IDW run, there's plenty of interesting choices there to talk about. Yeah. And I've said before, volume four, I'm very unfamiliar with. I've read like a literally a handful of volume four because it's so hard to find. And luckily, I found a full run of it for us to do for the podcast, but we're not going to be able to tell our listeners like a good place to find it <laughs> so it's gonna be hard to read along with us for that season we'll we'll have to have lots of second segments where we talk about other turtle stuff but yeah it's it's been good so far kind of sad to see it end i kind of wish the image run was longer i do i will say i would i would never want to get rid of the idw run like oh I'm no like, I, I, we need we need that to be the end game. Like it yeah. has to get to yeah. IDW at some point. But I wouldn't have minded twenty more issues of ish, of Image. Yeah, I I feel like they might have had one more year's worth of a story in them. They barely did any side stories. Like there's body yeah. count, and there's like a few crossovers with Savage Dragon that we can talk about in between seasons. But not a whole lot outside the main book. So I think that sounds like it's all the thoughts we had for this issue. Let's go find out what's going on the week this episode's airing. Little did we know back then how much Ninja Turtle awesomeness there would be going on when these ep episodes were uploading. Because I'm pretty sure when we started this season, we didn't even have a title for the new Ninja Turtle movie. I think all we knew about it was it was going to be animated and Seth Rogen was going to be producing it. And that was it. Since then, we've gotten concept art. We've gotten a trailer. We got the title, the action figures leaked, all that type of stuff. Uh, pretty sure when we started recording this season, we didn't even know about Cowabunga Collection. Yeah, because we did a few video game re reviews this season and we talked about how it would be cool to be a, for there to be a collection. We didn't know about that. 
We didn't know about Shredder's Revenge. And now, just this week, they announced that a new Ninja Turtle video game is being developed. And it's going to be in the style of or inspired by The Last Ronin. So they're taking that story, making a video game, says it's also going to be something like God of War. Those are pretty much the only details we have about it right now, but that is super exciting. And it's just crazy how much of a golden age of Ninja Turtles we're living in right now. The comic book series at IDW is amazing. The movie looks like it's going to be fantastic. The movie is getting its own spin-off movies and getting its own spin-off TV show. We got toys coming out. We got video games coming out. Like the Ninja Turtles are on their way to being such a top-tier franchise. It's such a good good time to be a turtle fan. So Super excited about that. Can't wait for more details on that. We'll probably be covering that on both podcasts if it comes out on a Nintendo system because we also have Nintendo Therapy where we talk about Nintendo stuff. So if it comes out on a Nintendo console, you know, there's no release date yet. Nintendo could have a whole new console by then. People are talking about how the Switch is getting long in the tooth. So anyway... If you want to join the hype train with us, go on over to our Twitter, at TMNTNerds. Let us know how excited you are for this last Ronin video game. And also, I haven't said this in a long time, but if you haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Fresh reviews really help new people find the show. And we're gearing up for season four as we speak. There's not going to be as big a delay in between seasons this time. And it's going to be really great. And then after four... We're going to be doing season five is going to be IDW and four is going to be a short season. There's that's not a long volume. So we will be on IDW comics, I think, before Sean and I even realize it. So everything's great. Ninja Turtles. Great. Can't wait to talk more Ninja Turtles next week with you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Hope there's more news. See you later.